0: The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc.
1: Strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategies. Learn from Arif Halabi. Learn about financial power total financial hour now hey, to the show has a plan for
2: thanks for being with me this morning happy to uh to kind of help guide your morning i don't know if you uh heard the last few minutes of barack Lurie's show but uh you know listen that's the democrats right uh, they have to throw out words because an argument on on the facts it just doesn't work right i, I mean you've been there family dinners i know I'm, i always stress over You guys go into Thanksgiving and Christmas and uh, New Year's dinners and holiday celebrations and Hanukkah celebrations. And, you know, you sit around and the only thing that the other side has is to call you a racist. You've heard me years now, years on the radio. I said racist is an ugly term. Uh, Somebody that's a racist uh, is a horrible person, if you will. All right. But they've used it on everybody. So the next step for the left was to figure out a new word. You heard it, we talked about it. And they settled on white supremacist. So now everything's white supremacist. That has run its course quickly. I'm kind of surprised. It's it's as if it starts to, uh, you know, eat itself up rather quickly and, and people don't buy it. So they go, ah, oh. they talk to Wall Street, they talk to uh, marketing companies, and they say, what's a better word? This is the better word. White Christian nationalist. That's what... So remember? Remember, it was first everybody's a racist. And then you go, well, no, because my wife is Hispanic or my husband's black or we've adopted black children. You, you can't keep calling me a racist. Right? It just doesn't work. And they saw that. So they changed to white supremacist. right? Remember Larry Elder, the, the black face of white supremacy. Instead of being hauled out on a rail and thrown to the curb, if you will, with their career and a box full of whatever their life possessions were, the media who perpetrated that, they just, they kept their job. Somebody should have said, what are you talking about? So now it's white Christian nationalists. So let's see how long this lasts. This will go at least through this election, of course, because it's a couple of days away. I'm going to touch on that. What I think you should worry about uh, from a retirement standpoint. I'm also going to get into some of the, the basics. I don't want to make sure we're all on the same page. Some of the basics of retirement. You have to realize in most people's case, right? You've, you've been good at your job. You worked hard. People have kind of paid you, right? Obviously, to do what you do. And then one day you wake up and you say, "Well, now what am I supposed to do? I've never been a good money manager." because that wasn't your job. You were a welder or a mechanic or a physician or a nurse. That was your job. And now you have to understand how to money manage. So you hire somebody. I'm going to get into some uh, something we had this week. It would shock the heck out of you. Wait till you see, wait till you hear. We did an analysis. It was about 3%. And no, it was not a variable annuity. Those, are, those can be as high as 5% in fees. It was $1,500 a month. She was taking out eleven hundred dollars a month. This is her stock market account with one of those great big two name companies. Right? Advertise everywhere, everything's great. I don't know, what is it? You gotta be two names? You ever notice that? Right? You have all the two names Marilyn, Charles Schwab, Raymond James, Edward Jones, Morgan Stanley, what 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 is it? They all have to have two names. Isn't that you ever think about that? Why why not just Joe? Right? Why not just financial? You got to have a, a name built into that that's, that's totally different. So so anyway, one of the two named companies. And her fees were $1,500 a month, just in regular mutual funds. And she was pulling out 1100 a month to live on. And she said, you know, it's always been a hard time getting a hold of the broker because I have right around a million dollars in that account. And she said, I must not be that important. I go, oh my word, a million dollars is a lot of money. Of course you're important. It's not 20 million, but it's not $20 either. You should be important. It's your money. It should be as important as anybody's uh, money in the world. And Mr. and Mrs. Broker, why am I paying you? Right, do you you realize $1,500 a month? And the broker's been making that for quite some time. $1,500 a month. That was a house payment and it, and certainly a vacation house payment. And if not that, an amazing RV, one of those really big ones, right? That look like a bus. That's a pretty good RV payment, meaning our client goes to work every day so that this guy can drive an RV or a boat or have a vacation home. And yet she's pulling 1100. She couldn't figure out why is my account going backwards so far? He said I was in a safe place. Well, maybe not. We had another client this week said, hey, I was listening to your show. She's probably listening now. I was listening to your show and you were talking about how difficult it is to get your money from these brokers. Wall Street just doesn't want to release it, right? They have, well, oh, we have our own forms. Oh, we missed the form. Oh, you didn't sign this. Oh, you didn't. You're like, yes, I did. Oh, well, we lost it. And it drags on and on and on. Sometimes they'll do that through the end of the quarter so that they can assess fees again. Sometimes they'll do it towards the end of the month right? You submit your transfer forms or your liquidation forms on the 25th and somehow it doesn't happen until the second of the next month. Huh? Isn't that weird? When do you think they assess fees? Oh, the end of the month. Imagine that, right? There are times when you walk through this process of saying, it's time to reduce my risk a little bit. And you say, Hey, can you move some of my, my money into safety, money market, whatever it is out of risk and they go ah well you know the the way the formula works and they'll use big words big words i'm smart i'm smart you're not so just listen and you li- and you listen and at the end you go okay wow well, I, I guess i guess i should be grateful that i'm losing money <laughs> i guess i should be grateful that you're charging a fee from your vacation home in the, in the mountains or or by the beach or wherever because a lot of you you are their retirement plan. Your retirement plan funds their retirement. Now, all of us are working. None of us are doing this for free. That's not the point. The point is, is it fair to you? Is it decent to you? Right? Are you losing money so that they can make a living? Because if your money is not at risk, if it's sitting in the cash account, you realize in many cases, they cannot charge a fee. So for you to have safety in your account is directly... Uh, uh, against their cost of living financial well-being i mean i mean you understand that in order for them to make a living you have to risk losing your money so that's my point right i'm not a fan of that kind of stuff one of the ideas on the safety side of things is to understand the the foundation words that are put out through congress put out through states so we're going to get into some of the different accounts right taxable accounts tax-free accounts Uh, How does Social Security fit into there? You've heard a lot of conversation about taking more money or waiting longer or waiting earlier uh, or or taking it earlier. What do you do? I'm going to give you kind of an analysis there. Okay, give you some ideas. Should you start your Social Security early? The the question is always, it depends. I should say the answer, right? The answer is always, it depends. Here's why. Because it should depend on the rest of your financial life. Do you have other sources of income? Are you going to be working part-time? Are you going to be working full-time? Do you have a spouse that works? What kind of debt? What kind of savings? So I'm going to give you kind of a basic formula and you can see where you fit into that. You can always give us a call and there's never a cost to meet with us. There's never a cost for me to help you. Here's the secret. Every financial product, well, rather every product in the world, from a water bottle to a computer, to uh, groceries, to a a CD at a bank, to an annuity, to savings, mutual fund, everything has a profit built into it. Right? In other words, they're gonna pay you one interest rate and they're gonna make more. They have to. Right? Look, safety, there's two different ways to get safety insurance companies and banks. Banks' products are called checking, savings, and CDs. Insurance companies' safety products are called fixed and fixed indexed annuities. But when you walk into a bank, you're not giving the teller a dollar. Hi, security guard, here's a dollar. Hi, branch manager, here's $2. You don't do that, but you know they're paid. And they were here yesterday. They're going to be here tomorrow. So they have to be making something. So then you ask yourself, if that is how they are being paid, meaning they're going to give me whatever, 2% on a CD, then they're going to give it to Mary for a credit card and Joe for a new car and Susie for a student loan and on and on. They're going to make a higher interest and they're going to pay you a lower interest. The spread or the difference between those Yep. That's their profit. That's how it works. Okay. So I don't want you to think that anybody's working for free. Nobody is myself, nobody, but, but the difference is, are they getting paid twice? Right. Are are they taking money from you? And are they making money from behind the scenes? Because I promise you there's always a profit behind the scenes. Always, always, but is it to your detriment? Right? Are, are they making money so that you lose or are they making money so that you have a chance to make a living as well? All right. So we've spoken about these before, the taxable accounts. These are your checking savings. This is your, your um, accounts that you have in the stock market that are not IRA or retirement related. I like those. If your goal is this, to offset in inflation in the long run, meaning you have a five or a 10 year horizon before you, get, you need to touch that money. If it is to leave it to your children or grandchildren because you get a step up in basis, meaning the taxable accounts, the stock market accounts, you don't have to pay uh, uh, income tax for the inherited person. In other words, if you have $100,000, you deposited into the stock bond mutual fund and it goes up to 200,000 when you pass away, Your kids do not have to pay taxes on that. They inherit that account as a sideways move. So non-retirement accounts, if you can afford the risk and the goal of that is to leave it to your children or to offset inflation in five or 10 years from now, then you can consider having some there. Where do you put it inside of stock bond mutual funds? Well, I always like, uh, let me go back. Who beats the S&P 500, right? Just put it in, leave it, go away. Very few, what is it 96% or 93% of the brokers don't even beat the set it and forget it formula. So look, maybe you have one of those six or 8% people that buy, sell, buy, sell, buy this, sell that, go up. And and they're earning their living. If they are, if you found that person, it's the unicorn, keep them, right? Keep them and, and maybe say, listen, if you make me $20,000 this month, Joe, I'm going to give you five. I'll give you a huge percentage of my gains just, and then next month, gosh, if you make me 20 or 25, maybe I'll give you 10. I'm okay if we're, if we're in this together, but don't charge me 5,000 when you lost me 20,000. That's my problem, right? Cause what did I pay you for? I don't know. I don't know. What, what did I pay you for? So, so consider this. Right? Stock, bond, mutual fund. I like those. If the goal is to leave it to your children, uh, long-term, beat inflation. Okay. There's also tax-deferred accounts. Now, tax-deferred accounts, meaning when you take, we're talking about when you withdraw them, when you take them out in retirement, it's taxed as ordinary income. Right? The regular taxable accounts, when you take them out, you should be paying capital gains, which means you held it for at least one year and one day capital gains tax, this is exciting, ready for this, is always a lot lower, sometimes could even be zero, depending on your income. And if you manage this right, if your financial professional and your CPA are working together, which they should be, and we do not charge for that, I have to say this because somebody came in the other day and I said, okay, well, we need to get a hold of your CPA. We need to ask these tax questions because I'm not a tax uh, expert. I can tell you what I know and you know I'm probably right, but we're going to get that second and third opinion from your tax preparer, your tax advisor. They said, well, 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 uh, Arif, what do you charge? I said, we don't charge anything. What, what are you talking about? Well, my other financial professional will charge me to talk to my CPA. I go, you're crazy. That, what, what, what are they thinking? There's, and we did the math, and they were making thousands of dollars a year, and they thought it was okay to still charge $250 an hour to still talk with their CPA. Okay. Listen, it takes all kinds, I guess. They make us look better, but you don't have to pay for that. That's that's not, not relevant, not an issue, not a thing. Okay? So don't think about that as a as a concern. So what I want you to do is to ask yourself a couple of things do I have a tax problem or do I have an income problem because if you have a tax problem then you want to work on taxes uh, tax problems to solve now or solve tax problems when you retire I usually like Roth IRAs today which is your tax-free accounts the reason I do in Roth 401 case is because especially if you're younger you have a house mortgage where you're paying interest generally business expenses or write-offs you have young children. You have other dependents, maybe, taking care of your parents. So those things can be tax write-offs today, whereas uh, when you're ready to retire, the kids will be grown. By definition, no no tax uh, business write-offs. In addition to both of those things, Right, Most of your house mortgage, you might still have a payment, but most of what you're paying is principal, not interest, and you cannot write off. Even though the the house payment is the same, you cannot deduct the payment because most of it, well, you can deduct a very small portion, whatever portion is interest. After 15 or 20 or 25 years, almost all of it is principal. So I don't want you to say, and I'm going to tax defer everything so that when I retire, you look left and right and there's no more write-offs but here's a big chunk of money. Now, if you plan on retiring outside of California, right, to a tax-friendly state, or even a, a tax-free state, like someplace, of course, you've heard the Washington state, Texas, Nevada, um, Florida, Tennessee, many of you are going to Tennessee. We seem to see a surge over the last five or six months of folks moving to the Chattanooga, Knoxville, of course, Franklin, Poor Franklin, Tennessee. It looks like Southern California Jr. And and hopefully mostly conservatives. But the same thing. If you guys plan on moving, you need to make sure you run for political office. And you go, and listen, in your conversations, you need to overly state how corrupt the Democrat Party is right now in America. And do not let any California Democrat who've moved to whatever state you've moved to Get involved with local politics and get on the school board and start their woke agenda on the water board or, or the, the city council. You have to, you have to blunt them. I'm sorry, I wish it wasn't so, you know, in your face, but it has to be. It's the only way you're going to protect yourself in your new retirement land. Okay, so we're talking about tax deferred accounts. If you want the write off today and you're in California, but you're going to retire in a place where there isn't state income tax, then consider that. That could be a huge savings, 10%. But when you take it out, the U.S. federal tax system still applies. doesn't matter where you go. Chances are pretty good it's going to have to be a little higher later or a lot. And I'm going to get on to that here in just a second in the California ballot. The reason I like Roth IRAs is because whether you are here or there, you will not pay tax on that money. Okay, pretty important. Whether you are here or there, you do not pay tax on the tax-free accounts. And you can do tax-free accounts in your 403B, which means you're a school teacher, hospital, research facility, nonprofit, right? Also known as a TSA, tax sheltered annuity, or a 403B. Surprise, guess where it's found? (laughs) Guess where it's found in the IRS code? 403, mm mm-hmm, subsection B. There it is. There it is. Just like a 401k, let's see, let's see, yep, 401 subsection K. There it is, right? So that's all it is. It's just where it's found in the IRS code. So they have Roth components. Now, there's a really cool bill. I don't think they're going to pass it now. The the Democrat uh, Congress could have passed it easily. They have come to some agreement. But I almost want to think they're punishing the American electorate. Right, I, I think that they had a choice and they didn't pass it as a way to punish you for not voting for them because they control all three required levels, right? House, Senate, President, they all sign it, Conference Committee. In other words, it's called a Secure Plus Two and it has some really cool provisions that can help you. It has some yucky ones too, but... The yucky ones uh, as part of the secure plus two that I've seen, because they've just released kind of preliminary uh, components of the bill, which could be law. I love it. But for some reason, the Democrats are not wanting to pass it. I don't know. They've had it for months, literally. I want to say it was since March, but I think they saw that the writing on the wall, they were going to lose. They're going to punt send it to the next Congress, and they're going to have to start all over again. And then I think what will happen is the Democrats are going to think they're going to have to get a few more um, provisions, right? Because you give this, I give that. You give this, I give that. And they kind of come up with this plan to where the president decides, yes, I'm going to sign it or no, I'm not. So I think it's a way to hold Republicans accountable. All right. Social security. Here's that part that you have to decide when you're going to take it. Now, if you started social security within the last 12 months, you can do a do-over. You can do a mulligan. You can say, oh my gosh, I'm 64, COVID happened. I thought I was gonna retire. I thought I was gonna stay retired. I didn't know what was gonna happen. So I started my social security in February. Well, you go in and you say, "Uh, I wanna stop. They said, no problem you get one do over give us back all the money we paid you since february and you can continue to have it grow as if you didn't take it meaning you could get more uh income later higher higher monthly rates later on i like that it's not right for everybody not everybody has you know 10 times your $20,000 to write a check or whatever it is to to pay the money back but if you do it could be a really good thing for you later on in life because maybe you can work 64 65 66 the longer you can wait to social security the better off generally speaking you're going to be for those that waited from last year to this year right from last year to this year I want you to do this take a look and ask yourself this did I get an 11 percent pay raise And your answer is, oh, yes, you did. You got a huge percent pay raise. In fact, if you do the cost of living and the 8% growth, that is a 16% hit, a 16% pay raise. I I, I mean, did you get that? So if you waited one year, you have a 16%. So let's talk about this. You had a $2,000 social security check. You say, no, I'm going to do a do-over. You give that money back. And your Social Security check goes from 2000 to next year, even if you started a year later, right, to next year, to $2,360. Okay, $360, I don't know about you, but you can lease an, a pretty good car for that. Oh, Eric if I, I only buy my cars, then buy a car. I like new cars, right? I'm willing to splurge. You want to buy fancy stuff for you. She has her own things. Everybody's got their own things. For me, I don't like driving old cars. I don't know. It's just my thing. I grew up where we never had a new car, where we were lucky if one or two of the electric windows worked in the car. In fact, we did not have air conditioning that I can recall until, <laughs> until I bought a, a car at 19 or 20 years old. That worked. I mean, I'm sure there was air conditioning in the car. And it wasn't because, it's just because it wasn't a priority. My dad was busy, I mean, it hurt me as a child, right? My dad was busy saving people in the Middle East. He spent his savings and his life savings to bring his family from Lebanon uh, in the middle of the Civil War. It, that takes a hit on a family of four kids. So it isn't that he's a bad guy at all. He's an incredible person. So why would you spend money? on a car, when you can rescue your family. Follow me? So, so that's not my point. My point is this. I have chosen to spend my money differently than you. And that's okay. But I don't want you to go into debt for those things. I want you to create a financial strategy. If that means starting your social security check early, because we have a plan B and C later on in life to start your other accounts, fantastic. We're going to do that. If that means waiting with your social security check and working another year or two or three and getting getting an extra 16, 17, 25% pay increase, then we're gonna do that. But I don't want you to do the same thing that your neighbor did just because, or your brother in law, or your wife, or your kids, or your right right? Everybody's financial life is different. Your children can take risk. They can go out and make big mistakes because they have twenty or thirty years before they retire. But if you're putting your retirement account in the market then I think you have to think twice about that risk stay with me I've got a lot more here after the after the break when we return triple 99 retire 8 99 retire I have a special guest for you too stay with me triple eight ninety nine 99 retire we'll be right back
1: now Arab has a plan for me higher income strategy I'll retire comfortably Thanks to Araf Halabi, now every dollar's got a job to do, Araf makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial power. Learn about financial power, the total financial power. security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power. Hey, welcome back. Power,
2: Thanks for staying with me. All right, I told you we'd have a special guest. I appreciate uh, a lot of the carryover. Uh, listen, many of you listen to the Brock Lurie show. Uh, I really appreciate it. I've been listening to him for years as well. Uh, but if you listen to the last, let's say the last half of his uh, of the half an hour, uh, somebody came in and interrupted the show, and I thought that was uh, well beyond uncool. So I asked Barack to pop on uh, here real quick and tell us what happened. Uh, Barack, how are you, sir?
0: Hey, Eric, how are you? Thank you so much for the kind words. And by the way, I, I listen to your show all the time as well. And every time I hear it, I think, man, I should have talked about that. So... <laughs> It's, it's power to you have, have
2: you started singing uh, ha- have you started singing my theme song yet
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes i have and it just gets stuck in there it's awesome
2: i love it oh man yes Everyone's well hey what happened that uh, we, we so thanks yeah. pal listen we, we were listening to the show and and somebody I, popped in and and tell us what happened
0: yeah I, I look i was in a private uh area and the guy just uh, barged right on in and started uh saying what he said you know but i'm crazy uh and he just wants to shut down. And he said, I, I know that you're on a radio show and it's alive and everything else, but I'm still going to do what I want to do. And so, look, this is a typical sort of thing on the left. They, they proclaim that Republicans are a threat to democracy, especially the MAGA variety, uh, and that this uh, particular midterm election is a threat to democracy. But they have no problem destroying your First Amendment rights. They, they feel very good about suppressing the, your voices, not realizing, of course, that this is exactly the opposite of democracy. So it's it's almost too. Well, when you hear Shapiro go through it and all the talking heads that we love go through it. So now it's mm-hmm. uh, my turn as well.
2: Yeah, it, it's stunning to me because you, you listen to the talking points and the left has come through with this. Uh, it's a threat to democracy. If you don't vote our way, if you vote for a Republican, our democracy is at stake. Do they not think they're ginning up the base that these crazies, the the same ones that. Uh, raid, uh, you know Nancy Pelosi's house. I mean, we're still waiting to hear the story there. The rest of the story there, but right. th- the folks that shot Steve Scalise and and some of these other crazies that went after Gabby uh, uh, Gifford, I believe her name was a congresswoman. Yes, uh, yeah. This is a dangerous time for these people. It's a dangerous
0: time, and like we say in justice, it's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And they're they're not very big on the whole truth, are they? They they don't want you to see. Much of the information that in any way uh, hurts their of the story, their narrative. So, uh, for example, the Hunter Biden story, and there's so many other stories. Of course, uh, people being suppressed. Uh, the Brett Kavanaugh uh, attack, at attempted assassination, Lees, like you said, and uh, and so much more. And and uh, what's the name? The, the guy uh, running for governor in New York, he gets attacked. Uh, is um, yeah, Lee Ali, Zeldin uh, is stunning. Zeldin, right? So he, Zeldin, he yeah. attacked, and and he, and his attacker, who was actually trying to kill him. Uh, Gets released the very next day, if not that afternoon. So this guy, however, who who you know invades the Pelosi home, uh, assuming that it was an invasion, uh, he gets federal no bail, uh, and he is charged with federal crimes. So it's very interesting. Um, The double standard is is very apparent at this point. It shouldn't be a surprise to any of us Republicans, and we're going to have this all the time. And what I'd love to, I would have loved to have this guy have a seat. We'll talk. We'll talk to each other. (laughs) But, of course, he, For sure. he looks quite crazed. Uh, but I, I wonder, like, what are the data points that, that they have when they say that the democracy is at stake? What's, what's the idea here? If we Republicans win in midterms, and we will, uh, what's their vision of why democracy is, is threatened? Is it because we're all going to get together and say, okay, well, now let's or, you know, execute Order 66, like I mentioned on my show? Are we going to somehow yeah, have right. this diabolical plan to take over the country and 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 dismantle all First Amendment rights somehow? I mean, that's their vision, I suppose.
2: Um, but it's, well, they don't. They don't seem to. Have, yeah, yeah. They they don't really seem to have a reason. Here's why they supported uh, Mike Lee when he was an anti-Trump. Right? Mike Lee was yeah. not President Trump's close friend, and, and uh, I'm, I have an an affinity to Utah. I like the state. I like the people. They're wonderful. But I'm not a fan of Mitt Romney nor Mike Lee. But here's what they do. Then all of a sudden there's a competitor, if you will, or quote another Republican that comes in who's not really a Republican. And the left, instead of saying we wanted a moderate uh, Republican, we're okay with the Republican side. We're okay with the people that didn't like Donald Trump. As soon as they they could turn on Mike Lee, they did. So their, their process across the country, it's fascinating to me. Because their objective is not to ever lay a foundation of disagreement or debate, I tried to get uh, the, the candidate running for sheriff Luna on my show. He's a coward. Uh, listen, I'm, yeah. I'm going to tell you guys, he's an, he's a coward. Right. Sheriff Ian Nueva <laughs> comes on uh, and answers questions all the time. He's a solid human yeah. being, and I can be tell I can tell you, I didn't vote for him initially. I voted for McDonald, but yeah. when the stuff hit the fan, and when suddenly we had a chance to vote. For an L.A. County sheriff and a man stood up, Sheriff Ianueva did that. And Luna is yeah. a coward. He won't come on the show. He won't come on anybody's show. So the, exactly the game right. plan, Barack, yeah, tell me this. This is interesting. Your point of view on the game plan or the strategy of the left was to avoid debates, whether it was Katie yeah. Hobbs and Carrie Lake, right, in, uh, or Mike Kelly. These people didn't want to debate across the country. They are afraid. What are your thoughts? What's your take on that?
0: oh they, they hate debate for the same reason they hate democracy they they literally do not hate democracy i guess the, the the difference between us and the democrats regarding democracy is that we don't see them as uh anyone electing them as a threat to democracy in and of itself just by voting for them we see it that's part of the democracy they they see us as the actual threats. anything anyone that Uh, Votes Republican is in fact looking for the demise of the country itself so they don't they don't like debate because if you have debate you might actually bring up points that will win you voters there is nothing that they can present at least in this election cycle where they can say that they've got the the upper hand I mean at best they can say the abortion thing but even that had apparently a very short half-life and uh, no one's talking about abortion anymore so
2: Well, uh, 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 Barack... It's it's,
0: it's uh, always going to be a losing proposition, always. And the same thing with democracy.
2: Yeah, I agree. My
0: point about that is that they they don't like democracy because the the way that the socialists, and I call them socialists, uh, operate is that they want to create these huge infrastructure plans, whether it's Obamacare or otherwise. But you can't have them if there's going to be an election two years hence that might overturn everything that you had planned for. So... That's right. It's a nuisance. Democracy is a nuisance for the Democrats, ironically.
2: Well, I expect that they're laying the foundation between uh, the lack of debates and the inability to call this election what it is, which is uh, a referendum on their policies and people making different choices. I think they're laying the foundation for a mass executive order and a mass push for executive power through the agencies and the regulatory bodies throughout the country. I think that's going to be the next two years, especially if he can't get his uh, authoritarian bills through Congress anymore. Let's see how yeah. that plays out. But I think that's what we're laying the foundation for.
0: Well, such a great point. Uh, that's, that's exactly the right thing. And I, I think they're going to be uh, claiming that, uh, that this is all a uh, disaster for them. But what a shame it is that we have now a tsunami you know, that we're going to be advantaged by. We're going to have the great tsunami. But as I said in my show, what a shame it is that it had to be this bad before we get this sort of tsunami wave. Did we really have to have this massive of an inflation? Did we have to have this much of a problem on the border, this much of a problem for crime and homelessness and everything else, the the transgender rights, the woke culture and propaganda? Did we have to have it this bad before people woke up and said, this is ridiculous, you know, no more? Uh, But, you know, here we are. I guess we'll take it. But uh, I'm just sad that this is the reason why we have the Denami coming.
2: Well, I agree with you, and, and thank you for coming on the air, uh, Barack, and explaining a little bit about what took place. Um, proud of the way you handled it. What a gentleman and a scholar and an educated individual on uh, on the actual issues. Imagine that. Wow. Uh, a conservative <laughs> who knows the issues. <laughs> right. Appreciate you, my friend. Keep Be fun. safe.
0: Keep up the great work. Thank you so much for all that you do. Really appreciate it.
2: Thanks, pal. You too. Folks, that's Barack Lurie. If you paid attention to his uh, show on the, the last bit here, uh, we were... We were surprised. Somebody came in, kind of broke in, if you will, to bring this, uh, what's the right word, disagreement, right? Instead of saying, hey, here's the issue. Hey, you were wrong here. You're wrong there. Their goal is name calling, right? We see that happening. Instead of saying, hey, here's the problem with the economy. Here's how we're going to fix the economic issues. Instead of doing that, their goal is to run around and to call people names, And I think you guys need to stand up to them. I think when you see them at the Christmas parties or you see them, everybody says, oh, don't talk politics or religion. Stay away from those things. Okay, well, oh, fine. In a polite society, you can do that. But you don't let people default to name-calling either. Have some courage. That's one of the things I appreciate about Barack. Look, he's a businessman. Nobody pays him uh, millions of dollars to be on the radio. Just like myself, we have a business And when you put your neck out and you state your beliefs and it's counterproductive, especially in a place like California or Southern California, where there are a lot of people who might disagree with you and we put our neck out on the line, it affects our business. But that's the definition of courage, right? You have to have courage. If you're going to have something to lose, if you have a risk of losing something, then now it's courageous. If you just agree with everybody. If you're one of the doctors who just says, everybody should get the vaccine, instead of thinking about huh, let's do some research for just a minute, let's, let's just take a look at the VAERS database, right? The vaccine database that says, hey, people had an issue or a problem. Instead of just looking at the science, a physician had a choice, I'm going to be courageous, or I'm going to keep my job. Some of the some of the doctors, you know, we're losing really good doctors are leaving the state. Because Gavin Newsom just signed another law that says, if you disagree with Gavin Newsom, and you're a doctor, you must be, uh, you you will have your license revoked. Literally, that's what they said. You understand that? Misinformation. Who's the dictatorship of of misinformation? So anyway, big issues happen. And I want to fill you in on something before we take our our break. But this is another part that's pretty serious. I I think you got to pay attention to this. We have to have, I hate to say the word have to, we are going to have, and it's necessary to have a recession. I don't like it. I think it's, it's the punishment. It's the consequence. It's the results of the Biden administration for the first two, year, two years of his administration that remained unchecked. Right? You had certain senators like Mitt Romney and even Mike Lee for that. Look, of the two uh, in Utah, he's the better of the two. You had, you know, Sleepy Diane Feinstein. I don't know where she is. She, she is not uh, a, a healthy person. I don't know the right word to put it. She should not be a U.S. senator. After this election, she will step down probably in the spring. They'll appoint somebody to give them a chance to be, quote, the incumbent on the next election. Who that will be, who knows. Gavin Newsom might appoint himself right? To get some federal experience, maybe legislative experience, because he wants to be president. Can you imagine somebody like Gavin Newsom as president? I think that that's the destruction. It's the end of the country. I mean, I don't know. It sounds a little dramatic, but so here's what I think is going to happen. Unemployment is going to have to get up to 5%. That was Bill Clinton's claim to fame. 5% inflation is what he considered full employment. Biden says, "Oh, we only have 3% inflation." You realize cuz nobody is applying for jobs. It reports those that want a job that don't have a job. That's what those inflation, sorry, that's what those unemployment numbers are. Those that apply for a job, sorry, I can't get a job. Oh, I'm unemployed. But for those that said, "Thank you for the government money, thank you for the free handouts, thank you for the discount, thank you for not having to pay my rent, thank you for giving me not a I don't have to pay my student loan debt and on and on." That person isn't working. So they're not even applying for a job, which means they don't even fit on the data. So until those people say, I want to go back to work, and they say, sorry, there isn't a job for you, and those numbers are about 5%, we're going to have to go into a a recession. Here's another one. I think interest rates on homes, it's going to have to hover at 8% for a little while. You are crazy if you think home... Uh, interest rates are going to be what they used to be. It will not happen for a very long time. Maybe in five years. That's kind of the number. Let's say five years from now. Oh, Eric, I'm renting. I thought I was waiting for the house prices to come down. They will come down. They will come down. Because you don't buy a house the way that people used to buy cars. Remember, you would buy a car. You walk onto the lot. Hey, how much is that blue one? They'll say, oh, it's $4,700. You say, great. Here you go. Let me write a check. And then after a while, they said, oh, now you have a year to pay it. Give us half now, and you can pay the rest over a year. If you have a good job, show us you have a good job. Today, you walk onto a car lot for a $60,000, $70,000, dollars $100,000 car or more. These days, it's crazy. There are pickup trucks that are $100,000. Yeah, pickup trucks that are $100,000. You walk onto these lots, and you say, hey, how much is the, the green car over there, the white, the white one? That, no, 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 the white one. Yeah, right there. How much is that? And they say, oh well, how much can you afford a month? And you say, well, I can afford, uh, but uh, I don't know yet, but but how much is it? They say, well, what, well what, how much can you afford a month? And then based on what you can afford a month, they decide if it's a 48 month, right? Four year loan, five, six, seven years loan. Based on what you can afford, they back into, quote, what you can afford. Surprise, that's what they did with houses. How much is that house? How much can you afford a month? And then they back into it, and they say, "Oh, well, you can afford, quote, "you pre-qualify for $685,000 house." Oh, when interest rates go up, the 685,000, it now costs more money. You know that, right? So the payment is no longer, oh, 2,500 a month or 3,000 a month. It's now 3,800 a month." Well, maybe you can't qualify for $600,000 house anymore, maybe? you have to qualify for a 500. Not because your job changed, you might have even received a pay raise. It's because the cost of the house. So you follow me on that? That's what's gonna drive down house prices. But if people have cash, or they have enough money uh, with jobs, and they can afford whatever houses go on the the market, you're not gonna see the collapse in house prices like you think. You're just not gonna see them move as fast, but it's just gonna take a while for those to come down because there's an absorption that happens. The people with cash that have rented for two years waiting for the market to come down, they're gonna walk in and buy that house cash, right? Or they're gonna work out a better deal. So the owner has to sell it because they've moved or they're going to be moving. So they said, all right, I want you to pay this closing costs. I want you to give me money for you know paint and carpet and on and on. So there could be some of that that moves it around. But realistically, The federal reserve isn't going to stop raising rates until we get 8% on the house mortgage rates. Those two things have to happen. So what does that mean for your retirement accounts? Well, you've heard me mention social security. They're going to be giving cost of living increases next year. Who knows what it is. It's kind of like the double-edged sword. Good news on this side, bad news on that side. The higher they give us on social security, great news. 8% pay raise and on and on. Great news, great news. Oh, wait, we're going to run out of money a little sooner than we thought. Because they only tax Social Security on working dollars. So when restaurants are not hiring people because there's these little kiosks now, when stores are not hiring people because there's these little kiosks now and you check yourself out, right? You've seen that. I was at a fast food restaurant the other day. Took my wife out, quick little hamburger. Let's go out. That'd be fun. And there's these four or five stations that you just go in. You put in your order. I'll take extra of this. Give me none of that. And then you walk up and you can pay right there. And the only thing that the kid on the other side of the counter does is calls your number. So I went up and I said, oh, I see. <laughs> I went up yesterday and I said, I see the, the kiosk. It's, uh, yeah, what do you do there? He said, well, you can put in your order and then you, you swipe your credit card and you can pay. I said, oh, great. I go, then um, do I have to come back and cook it as well? He said, no, 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 I didn't, I didn't crack a smile. I just said, so do we come back and cook it as well? Or do you guys do that? Oh no, sir, we still cook it. We do it. I said, okay, my wife rolls her eyes. Oh yeah, of course. So of course he, he he didn't get it. But the idea when you go to the stores, right? The big box stores, the Walmarts, the Target, it doesn't, grocery stores, check yourself out. I thought, well, what, what are we having people do now? And the Democrats are big, fat liars. How do you raise a family on minimum wage? Oh, that is not that job. Minimum wage was for a young person to learn. Ready? Show up on time. Listen to your boss. Get along well with others. Understand customer service. Even when you have a bad day, you're supposed to be nice to the customers. Right? There's a whole host of skill... That is not taught to a normal person in a normal family. Some of them maybe, but most of them know. So you go to a job where somebody doesn't love you. Your boss doesn't love you. He's not going to care about hurting your feelings. Your boss has one job. What? Get the job done. Sweep the front, Jimmy. Susie, clean the back, uh, Clean the bathroom. Right? One of my kids had it. That, that was my job in the summers of 1984 1985. My job was to clean the bathrooms at Pettit Park in Granada Hills. Yes, that was me. So if you went to the if you went to the swim pool there the, the swimming uh, swimming pool and you liked the way the bathrooms were clean, well you can say thank you. I'll take it. That was me. That was my job. The first time, I'm 16 years old, the first time I do that, I did such a poor job. The manager came in and said, "Er, if it's dirty there, it's dirty there. Look at this and the locker room was a mess and and I thought I did a good job." And he came in and and I thought to myself, what? So he came and he showed me, here's what you do. Here's how you do it. You, right. Okay. Never again did I have any problem. In fact, my second year, they hired me back and he never came and checked my work ever. Never had to. Because I learned. Right. That's what you do. But my, my parents were, were very nice people. They wouldn't yell at me or call me, you know, get over here and do this again, do this different. That's not what they do. They love you. But a minimum wage job is designed to give you the skill set. It's not for a father of six to raise kids. His job was to go get a career. His job was to go back to school. His job was to work three jobs like I did. Why? Because we had a problem financially. We made mistakes. I had to start over. So in my 20s, when I got scammed, I said, I need to go get a couple of jobs. So I did. I did. Full-time policeman, security guard, part-time mall security, right? Undercover uh, shoplifting, forgery detail. That's what we did for years, till you got out of your hole, right? You, You figure things out while you're learning, and that's what that's supposed to be about. You go get a trade right? I can't take my air conditioner. If my air conditioner breaks, I can't send it to China or to Mexico. I can't take my car and get it to India. Those are are trades. Those are things that have to be done right here. And if you don't teach your young people that, if they sit at home and these unemployment numbers stay low because they're artificially low, it's fake, it's phony, and the Democrats know that, and they keep saying, oh, Biden has 3% unemployment. People are not asking for a job because you gave them free money for nothing, for existing. Of course, they're going to sit around. Of course, they're going to play video games all day. Of course, they're going to get addicted to their phones. But it's the minimum wage jobs. They're supposed to exist. What is it? I think it was Toyota. I might be wrong. It's one of the manufacturing companies, Toyota Nisa. I think it was Toyota. Said we can't build any more factories in the United States. Why? Because it has a... Uh, because you can make as much money at McDonald's as you can at our place. And people criticize them. Well, that's what you get. You're not paying. These people can't even spell Toyota when they walk in the door. They can't tell us where the stapler is or, or the bathroom. And I'm supposed to pay them the same in the first week as you want me to pay them six months later when they know a lot. Of course, we start them out low. They have zero skill. Not the people that are very skilled, Right, They came from another company or another auto manufacturer, of course, but the leader of Toyota said, listen, we, we just can't do it. So you realize that all of those bigot jobs, those engineering jobs, the, the six figure jobs, great paying jobs and the jobs that come from those jobs, right? The restaurants, the, the hair, hairdresser, the liquor stores, all of those other jobs and businesses that come from having a large company in town, not going to happen. Because somehow you think somebody who flips a hamburger is supposed to make $18, 20 $25 an hour. And you're not allowed to drug test them. And you're not allowed to do this. And you can't do that. California has made it. So it's nearly impossible to start a business here. They just have. They think the worker is supposed to know everything. And I'm not saying they, you're supposed to treat workers bad. We don't. But you have to come to grips with the fact that in order to be uh, to run a company, you have to have flexibility to fire people. Well, you can't fire certain people. You have to follow these rules. All right, stay with me, guys. I have two of your letters. One of them is a pretty sad letter, but very important for you to know. I know it's going to impact you very greatly. When we come back, Total Financial Solutions (TFS) financial insurance services. I'm Eric Hallaby. Triple eight ninety nine retire. 888 997 3847. We'll be right back.
1: Higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably. Thanks to Arab Halabi. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arif Halaby. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now, Arif has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. Tired comfortably, thanks to Arab Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial power. Learn about financial power, the total financial power. Hey, welcome to the show. <laughs> thanks for your patience. Hey, appreciate it.
2: Talking about your family's finances, getting out of debt, managing money and planning for the future. Hey, listen, I have a couple of letters for you. It's pretty important because I think you need to realize that people are hurting out there. They're hurting financially. They're hurting emotionally. And look, the recession is important. It's, it's going to happen. You have to understand it, but we have to plan for it. I don't want you to think that something like this recession is, that's coming is the end of the world. There are other things that happen in life that can drive us down the road of, I don't know, worrying about loved ones, somebody that passes away, right? So I'm going to share something with you. This is important. When you grow up, you live, you look to find the loved one of your life. You look to find somebody that never is going to leave, right? You have that emotional connection. You have plans, and then something happens. Let's figure this out. Dear Erv, I appreciated your show and the ability to make complicated financial topics easy. You've talked about this before, but I am now a widow. My life has changed dramatically. My husband handled all of our financial decisions and I'm unclear on what to do next. In fact, I feel paralyzed my friends and family are gone. The first few weeks, my kids were close by my family close by my sister lived, uh, not down. uh, my sister lived down the street and spent many days, even nights over at my home, but it's been months now and everybody's gone back to their own lives. How do I know who to trust? How do I know what the right financial decision is for me now that my husband is gone? I know that I receive his social security and I even receive his pension. At least my kids were good with that. They helped me make those phone calls and complete those forms. But Arif, what do I do with the retirement accounts? He invested them every day. He watched them every day. He invested and took care of our future. In fact, he had made us a lot of money recently. I felt safe and secure. And now with him passing unexpectedly, I don't know what to do next. Can you help? Well, I shared with you, that was going to be an emotional one because I'm not sure. You're not sure. We're not sure. What do we do next when somebody that we love passes away? And I think you have to have this conversation with your spouse, especially if one of you is the one that's handling all of the financial decisions, right? This is a big deal. Whether it's a divorce or a death or a disability, if one of you handled all the financial decisions and you're the one that passes away, do you realize that changes the entire future of your relationship? It changes everything that you, that you thought you were gonna do. It changes what you thought was, was normal. And so how do you handle that going forward? So here's my advice. Number one, I want you to not make any big financial decisions for at least six months, I'm okay with a year, but you do have to make some decisions sooner rather than later. If you have everything at risk, right? Let's say he said, oh, if it goes up to this much or goes down to this much, I'm going to sell. Well, meanwhile, the captain has passed away. The sails are still up and there's no rudder. So we don't know what's happening the ship is just going. Are we supposed to go left or right? Do I have to pull in the sails? Do I have to slow down the risk? So some of those conversations, some of that actions, yes, that has to be done right away. You can call us, you can go to a, a good financial professional, somebody who is a, um, well, we're, we're a certified senior advisor and a certified estate planner because I knew, how to, I knew that I had to understand what was happening with seniors. So, so years ago, that was a certification and a process and classes that we took as a firm and myself because I thought that was very important. So today, here's where we are. I need you to come into our office or somebody else's office that you trust. Ask for a referral. And don't do something the very first moment you walk in. Interview them. Hi, what is it, what is it you do? Do you have any clients that are widows or widowers? What would be the first recommendation you would make? Right? Ask some serious questions. I'm never worried about the fees, guys. The fees are part of it. If I make money, but I am worried about the fees. If the only person who wins in the story every single month is the broker. That's when I think something's wrong. Why is it? Why is it that I worked my tail off or my husband worked my tail off his tail off so that he, so the broker can make a living. Brokers retirement plan is secure. What is that all about? Right? So I, I want you to really be careful about that. That makes a big difference because in your life, we have to make the right decisions about getting out of risk. And you you may not even need it right now, right? Maybe certain things happen and you're set for the rest of your life. I saw this recently. We had somebody, their whole decisions, their financial decisions were based on a number that just doesn't exist anymore, which was, oh, Eric, if we just make a certain amount, uh, we're never gonna run out of money again. Well, they passed that. They needed $2 million. Okay, that's a lot of money, great. Well, they sold an apartment building nearly at the top of the market. That's great. They had uh, received an inheritance. Her mother finally passed away. God, God uh, rest her soul in her nineties and left about another half a million dollars. So by the time they were done, they had more than $2 million and they were still uh, investing like they were a 35 year old. Well, you don't do that, right? If your goal is to say, I want to be taken care of the rest of my life, then you're good. For a lot of us, it's about leaving something to our kids. Listen, guys, first we take care of you. Then we leave something to the kids. But here's what we leave to the children. Real estate, life insurance, and Roth IRAs or Roth 401ks. I always want you to leave those three first. Spend the daylights out of your retirement account. They're designed for you to spend that money for you. That's the rule. I had a client recently, single father, three boys, beautiful boys, His mother lives with him and helps great family, God-fearing family. He's not making a small mistake. He's making an enormous mistake. One of the biggest financial mistakes of his life, which is I'm going to take everything out of my retirement account to buy a house near the top of the market. I'm like, are you kidding me? What, what, what do you think? Retirement accounts are for retirement, not for buying a house right? If you have a job to pay for your food, shelter, clothing, then you rent. If you have a job to pay for your food, shelter, clothing, you're fine. Retirement accounts are for retirement. College funds are for college. House, home, you know, house building uh, account, well, that's for building your house. Savings is for emergencies. You treat each account for the job in which it's supposed to be, which is it's laid out job. When you make a big financial mistake, all of us have made them, by the way, it's when you use an account for something it's not. For example, you refinance the house to pay off credit card debt. Big mistake, not a small one, big. You refinance the house to pay off a car or for student loans or to you know pay for college. Big mistake, not a small mistake. So I'm not saying any of us are perfect, but those are financial decisions that, that this lady this, uh, that, that, that emailed us As a widow, you have to be careful about what kind of decisions you make. The accounts have a job to do. Deal with them as such, you win. Don't, you lose. Okay, I think it's important. Let me give you another email that I have here. Dear Eric, my husband is 65 years old and I'm 62. I've been planning our retirement for years. We became serious about it after our last child completed college. Like many people, we are concerned about inflation right now and in the future. We will retire in the next year or so, depending on the market. What advice do you have to help us be confident in our ability to retire when we want, and more importantly, stay retired? Okay, pausing for a second. She gets it. The idea is staying retired. How many of you guys have had to go back to work because inflation has eaten up your pension or the cost of living has been so great that you thought, well, I was gonna stay in California, but now I can't afford to leave the housing uh, market has changed, right? So a lot of people go back to work. Maybe you need to get extra Medicare credits or credits for social security. I want you to work because you want to work, not because you have to work. That's a big trade-off. All right, let's continue with her and her husband. We have social security income of $4,200 a month between the two of us. And I have an old pension that is $1,400 a month our rental property brings in 6000 a month it's an apartment building our goal is to have fifteen thousand dollars a month to cover our monthly expenses give to our charities and pay for our annual family trip we have nearly one million dollars we are willing to commit to safety and to income oh okay that's good now I have now I have a strategy ready is it possible to make sure we have enough to live on for the rest of our life. Okay, their goal is 15,000 a month. Between everything, they're at uh, six, 10, 11, about just under 12,000 a month, okay? So that means I have to find about $3,000 a month. Can we make that, can we get that out of $1 million? Well, 3,000 a month is 36,000 a year. That's a 3.6% withdrawal rate. And the answer is, yes, we can make it happen. Absolutely. With room to spare, even. Meaning we can keep up with inflation, but here's how we do it. We ladder the accounts. I would put probably two different accounts, one short-term, one long-term. Medium-term, probably more than short-term, medium and long-term. I'd set up the kids with an educational process. Here's what I mean. You guys, you put Mary and Joe, so I'm guessing that that's an alias, but it could be, okay. So Mary and Joe. Here's what you have. I want your kids to be educated. I want them to take financial classes because if your goal is to leave them money, more importantly an apartment building, and you think they're just going to sell it and what do what with it? I don't know. You you have a home and you have an apartment building. What are we going to do to ensure that they don't blow it so my recommendation let's set up the kids with some sort of financial education so they have an expectation of wealth preservation i don't want them to just blow the money and spend it right poor people i didn't say bad poor which is a mindset you can make a lot of money and be poor you could be a good person and be poor you could be a bad person and be poor follow me but the wealth mindset that does not carry over from generation to generation is simply because the poor mindset believes it's about consuming stuff. If I had a million dollars, if I won the Power Bowl, I would buy this, I would buy this, and then they feel bad. So then they start saying, I would give this away, and I would help my family, and I would pay for this for that family. Right? You start this whole little process of redemption because you think you're going to give it away and be a smart person for giving it away. But you don't realize the goal... Is preservation, wealth preservation from generation to generation. Now, here's here's how I would do it. It's not that difficult. I'd have the kids read a book. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Some of you know Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, A little disclaimer, in 1997 or 8, I read the book. My income tripled. It changed my life. It was a great, amazing experience. We started a scholarship fund about a year later. Robert heard about it, him and Kim, his wife. They came and, and uh, did an infomercial. So uh, that would be the January of 2001. We had the scholarship going for a couple of years, but that time and they filmed at our home. It's cute. My little kids were little running around the house. Nice. And that infomercial ran for about four years. Rich Dad Poor Dad changed my life. There's many, many books in his series, not just one, but the first one will give them a taste. And if they're willing, if they're able, to grasp the, the the wealth understanding, then fantastic. But if they're going to be a victim, right? Because most poor mindseted people are victims. That's why they push for unions. That's why they push for minimum wage. Because they need protection. That's their idea from the big bad guy. Well, I would say, and listen, I'm not a, an, I used to be a shop steward for the police department. I'm an, a union advocate. But my point is don't expect it to do something for you that it's not capable of doing. You still have to watch out for yourself. So that's just a side note. Okay, I teach the kids about wealth, uh, not consuming stuff. And in the end, guys, it's really simple. You can decide if you want to give money, Mary and Joe, with strings attached. You can do that. You can say, guys, I will give you this, but you have to go to this class. Because social security, here's what's going to happen. When one of you passes away, we're going to lose the lower of the two social security checks. Remember that. And you didn't indicate on the pension side what happens if some one of you passes away, but we know that for sure it's going to be the the, the surviving person sh- for sure receives some of that social security check, the higher of the two, and the apartment building rentals. Now, that in no way is going to be close to fifteen thousand, not even close. So, remember Tom Hegna been a guest on the show a couple of times and he said this the first 10 years of retirement is your go-go years so that's when you're gonna do your family vacations that's when you pay for everybody to go on a cruise that's when you go visit grandkids in many states those first 10 years go 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 your second 10 years that's the slow go years you'll travel for the holidays maybe once per year most of the time people are coming to you you're staying close to home you go drive places very rarely will you fly to europe for two weeks right it's not going to happen as much when you're in that second 10 years of retirement and then tom so eloquently says the last 10 years of your life are the slow go years now depending on your medical conditions in the slow go years you might spend twice as much money as you did in the first 20 years so in in the last 10 years of your life the medical the health the long term care that could be something that eats up a huge part of your uh, life, your retirement savings. So, the worst condition is one of you gets sick, massive amounts of expenses. We spend most of the money that person then passes away. We lose half of the social security, some of the pension, and now we have to live with less money because we spent it. So the person, the surviving person, is often left in a lot worse financial condition than had they uh, had the second person alive, right? It's just a fact of life. So here's what I want you to do. Mary and Joe, I want you guys to consider life insurance. There are some amazing life insurance plans out there that are hybrid or multifaceted, meaning it has a long-term care component. You guys are young enough to where the cost is going to be reasonable. When you start getting into your 70s, the cost is is a little bit harder to swallow. Still can be done, but harder to swallow. Okay? But right now, you can do it. So consider that. Consider that as an option when you are setting this up. If you do life insurance, tax-free to the kids, tax-free to the grandkids, but you can access the death benefit for your long-term care needs. Right? If you're in your 75, 80, 85, and you say, great, I don't want to spend the last money so that my wife has to move or my husband has to move, we can tap into the face amount of the life insurance. So, for example, if you had a $500,000 life insurance policy, that 500000 most of it is utilized by you when you're alive. All right? So, But these things have to integrate. You have to work closely with the different aspects of your financial life. How do we build it so it's not costly? How do we work with your CPA and your tax preparer to not push you into the next tax bracket on and on? These are very important things. If you want our help, maybe we can help. 888, that's 888-997-3847. That's 888-99 retire. That's our phone number. It's a great way to get a hold of us. 888-99 retire. Your family's finances have to be considered because everything is about what we do next, right? Everything is about how you build that legacy. And when you stay with me after the break, I have another email. This uh, is pretty tragic and it came in this week and I thought I would share it with you because I think uh, just like the first one I I shared with you today, we're we're doing three. I think this one uh, hits home for a lot of us and it's a reason... That being more educated and not less is pretty important. All right. So getting into your financial life, consider this. We're going to see some changes. If we get that secure plus two act, right? Secure act, secure act two, whatever they might call it. They may call it something different in the new Congress. They're going to almost have to start all over again. The good news is that this was a bipartisan bill. Meaning if the Republicans are left and any Democrats that are left, they already voted on it once. So the new folks that come in, hopefully they are quick and easy studies. They get up to speed on it. And the president still decides to pass it as a a gesture of good faith, working with the other side of the aisle. See, I'm a good guy. That's what I expect is something like that. Because his objective of being that guy who gets along well with others and sits back and appreciates you and knows your fears and your your pains. (laughs) Right? How many of you are collecting a check from China? Yep. Raise your hand. Oh, you didn't. You realize how quickly he would have been impeached by now. You know, my, my other prediction by next summer, he is not going to be president anymore after the election is over. I think he will step down and I think he'll give Kamala a chance to run as an incumbent. That's what he's going to do. Or they will hide him. Right. And he just won't do news conferences anymore. He already sounds silly. He blurs his words. He works, what, four hours a day. President Trump used to be up at 5 a.m. working and didn't sleep until 11 o'clock at night. I'm not saying that's healthy or the right thing to do. All I'm saying is there's a difference between somebody of similar ages, right? And yet President Trump had the ability to work like nobody's business. I had a friend that worked in the Clinton White House. He said President Clinton never showed up to the Oval Office until around 10 a.m., I'm like, are you kidding? He said, nope. Unless he had a scheduled meeting, it was 10 a.m. Other than that, and most of the time, it was jeans. And he had a suit in because there's a side office in the Oval Office, kind of like a real private. Uh, this, the Oval Office is a ceremonial, and many presidents even work out of that office. But there's a working office that's next to the Oval Office. It's a side office. Uh, my understanding, it's beautiful. It's not rarely, it's rarely f- uh, photographed. But he would keep a suit. And tie off to the side. So, if something happened in the day or he had to meet somebody, he would go ahead and change. Other than that, you know, there was a lack of professionalism in the White House. Well, when George W. Bush came in and the Clinton staffers, you know, ripped off the W of all the keyboards, right, and literally vandalized, they did a lot of vandalism in the White House. It was pretty shocking. It wasn't reported much because George W. Bush is basically a gentleman. Right, uh, he's a. You don't have to agree with everything he said and did. I don't. But he was a gentleman and and somebody who who said, listen, we're going to put that childish action behind us. And by the way, if you're working in the White House, it's a suit and tie every day with the coat. So that kind of mindset and professionalism bleeds through the rest of the administration. That's why you get people like Mayorkas pushing people to come through the border. That's why you have Becerra. Uh, basically, a joke in Health and Human Services, right? Allowing children to be mutilated—it's between them and their doctor. You didn't say that about the COVID vaccine. Why didn't you say that? You don't talk about the suicides or the fentanyl over, overdoses, but right—it's because the the permeation through from the top through everybody is the way they react, including how they spend money, right? When you are a tight belt. Right. President Trump's first two years in office was pretty hardcore, tightening the belt, getting rid of agencies, thinning out agencies. The problem was President Obama didn't ever leave Washington, D.C., right? His home was right down the street, literally down the street from the White House. He built a skiff, right? One of those top secret rooms inside that you can't hear everybody else. You can't bring in cell phones. There's no way to, to hear, or come in or out. Inside of, an oval office, uh, inside of his office. It's important you understand this because that has never happened before. So when President Trump came into office and he had a chance to come in and say, here's the new tone, here's the new way of leadership, and by the way, we're going to wear suits and ties, surprise, by the way, we're going to be somebody who who looks to save the American people money, not try to spend more money. I think that's a big change, right? So I don't know. I don't know who's going to be the next president, uh, because I don't think Biden will last the next two years. Somebody else will come in. All right, when we come back, I'm going to get into your, uh, the... Propositions, because some of you have asked, what are your thoughts, Arif, on some of the California ballot measures? I'm going to get into those when we come back. Your place for news, talking, information. I'm Arif Halaby. Triple eight ninety nine retire. Stay with me. We'll be right back. Triple eight ninety nine retire. Your place for news, talking, information. Right here on AM eight seventy. The answer.
1: Now Arif has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably. Thanks to Araf Halabi now every dollar's got a job to do, Araf makes your money work for you, learn about financial power, the total financial power, learn about financial power, the total financial Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Araf halaby Learn about financial power, the total financial hour.
2: Now Araf Halabi. Hey, welcome back. For me. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Listen, a lot of this, uh, of course, political season, the weekend before the election, uh, the Democrats have really set it up, I think, to uh, no matter what, how you lose. Th- their goal is to do it to where, you know, it looks like it's a, it's an existential threat. And then all you have to do is turn on any news station. And 15 minutes later, everybody's saying the exact same words. It's the threat to democracy. It's an existential threat. Nobody knows what it is. Ask James Clyburn, can you spell it? Kathy Hochul, can you can you explain what do you mean a threat to democracy? How does that work? So, I'm going to give you my thought on, on the propositions, and really something that I've adhered to most of my life, probably at least the last 30 years or so, since my mid-20s, and it was simple. If I look around left and right, and I say, there's nothing really I need anybody to vote on, right, it isn't like, man, if we only had it against the law of murder, we would get less murders. Uh, Stealing from a store, if we can just make that illegal, then the world is a better place. Okay. Let's be clear. All of these rules and laws are already on the books. The reason Texas has a part-time legislature is they don't need a new law. Every, every 15 minutes, right? Legislatures have to do something to justify their existence. There always has to be something they're going to solve. They're going to run over here. It's clean air, clean water. Are you kidding me? So the last governor was all about dirty water? oh no 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 so you're smarter than this right so i, I just want you guys to know this that there's no real reason to vote yes on anything the only one i would consider it's prop 27 and here's why the indian casinos are against it <laughs> that's why the indian casinos that are charging you six seven hundred percent rent on this get cash now are you do you have a job uh, do you need money Give us a call. Get cash now. Cash now. Okay, those are mostly Indian casinos, Indian tribes, uh, Native American, whatever you want to call it. And they really hate Prop 27. Right? So, I don't know. 26, 27, they're all about Indian tribes and and proposition, give us, allow the the ability to, to bet and not bet. So I just look to see who's against it. Right? Sports betting at tribal casinos. Some of them love it, some of them don't. By and large, I'm probably going to vote no on everything. Unless you're going to tell me, finally, we're going to put people in jail for killing people and they stay in jail. I'm good with that. But there really isn't a proposition that I think would change my life. They want to tax millionaires for electric vehicles. Okay, you understand... Right now they might say, but that doesn't include your primary residence. That is temporary. They will come after your primary house. Let's be clear on this. They have to raise property taxes. Do not vote for it, but they have to. I would say, why don't you just get your own house in order? Why are you still trying to find another way to take money? You have a gasoline tax, the highest in the nation for a reason. It was to fix the roads. You double my taxes on my car registration called a vehicle assessment. Look at it, folks. And you said that for vehicle assessment. Why? To fix the roads. But you're not fixing the roads. So what are you doing with all the money? I I don't know. So when a city like Whittier and Glendale have the highest sales tax, I want you to ask yourself, you realize... Sales tax is a percentage of the purchase. So when the price of the purchase goes up, instead of buying something for $10, you now have to buy it for $20. They will now tax you that percentage on $20. So the cities collect more money. But when they lie to you and they tell you it's about inflation, that's not true. It's 100% a lie. Because the price of goods and services is going to go up, which means they're going to collect more raw dollars, right? They're going to collect more dollars because the price of things are higher. So don't vote for these sales tax. It's temporary sales tax, temporary. It, that is a lie. I have been in rooms with these people. I have heard them talk. They know it is not temporary. They know they are lying to you. I, I, I wish I could record them and play it for you. But I have been with them. I have heard what they have said. They know it. So you can decide. What about the city, county, state? uh, Sorry, the city, county, regional uh, propositions. Again, I would vote no on everything. There's just nothing I see that says, oh, you're going to finally put bad guys in jail. Oh, we need to expand affordable housing. Uh, Excuse me, Mayor, you can do that with the stroke of a pen. Did you know that? Governor, you can do that with the stroke of a pen. You you can say we're suspending these onerous regulations on the environment rules about building. You could keep building codes, of course, that's safety. You can put in place fast track. Instead of taking a year to build something, how about six months? It's already there. The people are already at work. It's just a stroke of a pen. It's that leadership. Remember what I said about President Trump and the difference between President Clinton? It's leadership from the top. If Caruso comes in as mayor, LA City has a chance. A big chance? No, not really. I think it's still pretty pretty suffering because you have the county supervisors. You have the city council. They are corrupt. Yes, I'm telling you. Catherine Barger, you lied to my face. You did. You did. You sat in a room. Remember the law firm when you were running? There were six of us. And you said, Arif, I'm only running one term. It's not what I want to do. But I want to retain the policies of the predecessor, the Republican predecessor. You lied. You lied to all of us and we supported you. We gave you money and time. So do I trust him? Not even for a second. Not even for a second. Second. No way. So my point is, all of these extra taxes, they're not going to do anything except get us deeper into debt. California borrows money. Let's pay attention to this for a second. They borrowed money and they put it in the bank. And then they said, see, we borrowed money and we have it in the bank. No, no, no. They didn't do that, did they? They said, oh, uh, look at what our savings, we have $100 billion in the bank. Yeah, because you borrowed it. Imagine if you guys took a second mortgage on the house and you put it in the bank. And I said, well, Mary, Steve, Susie, what, what, do you, what do you have in the bank? You go, oh, I have $100,000. I go, great job. Good, good. Did you save it? No. Was it disciplined? No. Did you cut, cut, uh, cut costs? No. You just borrowed it. So when you take it from the left hand and you put it in the right hand, it's still the same amount, right? You have a debt on your balance sheet. You have a debt of $100,000. You have a savings account of 100. They cancel each other out. So, uh, so when Governor Newsom pushes something, vote yes on something, immediately I'm going vote no on it. Immediately. I have clients that own dialysis clinics. They said, Eric, this is one of the biggest jokes ever. Why? Because they are doing something. They are saving lives and they're making money. Ooh, making money. What, what a crime, making money. How dare. So I, I think a lot of people fret over these propositions, go over the different ideas. And I'm here to tell you that most of them, uh, I, I haven't found one that's a yes. Let's just put it that way. Guarantee abor- abortion rights in the state constitution. Really? That, that's something we got to talk about. Tax millionaires for electric vehicles. Why do you hate millionaires? Don't they employ people? Don't they invest money? Don't they give people, you know, jobs and buy things They create sales tax, travel, pay for airline tickets, support the airlines? What, what is the, you know, what are you talking about here? So I want, I want you to pay attention to this. All right. I like Rick Caruso, Sheriff Inueva. These are people, these are organizations, these are places but you follow your heart and common sense. If you think there are more homeless people and more crime and you want the same, well then listen, the Democrats control every house, every piece of of, uh, value in the state of California from dog catcher to governor is all controlled by the same political party. You know that, right? We have a token uh, state senator in LA County who's a Republican. Rhino, I think we call him. Scott, Scott Wilk. Sorry, when you go picking on somebody who's a populist, when when you hate what the people stand for, when you hate what eighty million Americans voted for, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you would be a liberal in most other parts of the country, but in California, maybe you're a conservative. Great, right? Uh, I think there's there's very little value of the Republican Party in the state of California. Um, two steps above worthless. They just are, are theckless. They do nothing. You can't stop anything. You have zero ability to convey any ideas, to convince people that the way of the past is horrible. Right? I, I don't know. But we'll vote for you because the opposite stinks. So so you get something, right? So you get somewhere. I just want you guys to know, listen, it's not the end of the world in California. I think California has to collapse, financially speaking, before it has a chance to recover. I think it has to... And listen, if you're somebody who has a union contract with the state or a pension, I believe you will be impacted. How much? I don't know. How little? Not sure. But I think you have to pay attention because you will be impacted when California collapses and it has to collapse, by the way, guys, there's just nobody of any power significance to make a difference. Nobody. All right. Here's a, here's an email. and I know I've put two of them that are kind of sad at the same, in the same show. I don't always do that, but uh, I want you to hear this one because I think it's pretty important. Dear Eric, my mother was diagnosed with stage four terminal cancer. My sister and I are the beneficiaries and we want to make sure that her affairs are in order for her final days. And we want to, of course, take care of her. She has various retirement accounts that she inherited from her husband and other bank accounts. Her home is also paid off and we need to be sure that it passes to us and to her grandchildren the way she wants. And we want to make sure that we pay for her last months of care. Any thoughts or ideas? All right. Uh Spencer, you're a kind man to to write this. I appreciate it. I want you guys to know that um it's a pathway that a lot that many of us are going to take, right? I did have a chance to speak to them uh and specifically to his mother as well to kind of lay out some ideas. She passed the phone to him uh, as well. And we kind of discussed some, some ideas. So I'm going to share with you what, what I shared with them, some things that I think need to be done. And of course, time is of the essence. All right. Number one, we need to make sure they have a living trust. What is a living trust? A living trust is one private. So if you go back and you think about Prince or Michael Jackson, why is it people are still fighting for their stuff? Why is it that everything they owned, debt they had, asset, weird part of their life, everything is public knowledge? Because they did not have a living trust. Frank Sinatra, Bob Hope, their life was private. Their assets, who got it, how much, when, where, private. So, you may not think you're of any financial uh or or fame, impact in the world right maybe you're you're thinking well it's not going to matter to me but here's where it does come into play if you have a just a will there's a process called probate probate is a public process for anybody and everybody that thinks they might have a claim on your life financially speaking it's published in the newspaper it's a public in the court documents and people can come and say oh i'm her long lost grandson daughter cousin brother boyfriend girlfriend anything they want and now you have to fight that in order to get rid of them that doesn't happen all the time but the privacy part of this is pretty important because people troll those documents in court uh in the courthouses and they look to see and they'll come and offer you all sorts of weird things scams and frauds are real prevalent in that world you just got to be pretty darn careful so i like a living trust A living trust contains pieces and parts. One of those pieces is a will. The will handles your stuff. Another part of the document of a living trust is something called an advanced healthcare directive, right? Medical directive. You might've heard it in, in different sayings. The idea is it handles the last bit of your care, where you want to be buried, how you want to be cared for. Do you want to be cremated? Do you want certain life-saving drugs at the end of your life? A lot of these decisions you can make when you still are lucid, when you can still make those decisions, right? Who do you want to decide, quote, to pull the plug? That's a pretty heavy responsibility. So I want you to go through this when you are clear-minded. And Spencer, have your mom go through this as we spoke, right? And here's the other part, guys. That living trust... The, the part of it that, that handles the, the estate, which is the property, the stuff, right? Stuff is in a will. Who gets what, when, and how? You can be very darn specific about that. You can say, I want my kids to get this much, but only if they do this. And then on this birth date, I want them to get this, but they have to have this much for my grandkids and on and on. I want to. I have had clients say, I want to do a matching. So everything that their parents save for my grandkids college, I will put in as well, right? If the grandkid, uh if the parents of their children, of their grandchildren rather, right? If my client's kids put aside 10 grand for their child, then the grandchildren are going to get 10,000 bucks, right? So you can decide all sorts of things. Charity gets a certain amount when and how much, Okay, here's the other reason we need a living trust. If you own any real estate in the state of California, it will be forced to be probated. What is probate? It's a very costly court proceeding where a judge and a trustee, a lawyer basically, gets to decide who gets your stuff. Your will, if you just have a will and it's not inside of a trust, is basically a suggestion to the court right? A suggestion. Yep. We'll decide. Thank you. Good decision. Good choice. We'll take it under consideration, right? Uh, this is a good example. Uh, uh, three people and myself, were all golfing and I see uh, Jimmy hit a, a great drive and I go, Jimmy, those are amazing golf clubs. He goes, great. Arif. If I die, you can have them. We all laugh. Ha ha ha. That's on the fourth hole. We come around to the end, the 18th hole. We all go home. Jimmy gets in a car accident and dies. If he had a will that said, everything in my in my garage, if you will, my stuff goes to my son. But I can go, wait a second. I have two witnesses that said, after that will was dated, that I get the golf clubs. We were on the fourth hole. It was in this date. And the two witnesses say, yeah, I heard Jimmy say, he Arif gets the golf clubs. Guess who gets the golf clubs? Me. Now, I'm making it a bit more simple, but you get the idea. But now if the will is inside of the trust and the same thing happens and I say, but I want the golf clubs, Jimmy says, I could have them. And the judge looks at the documents and says, sorry, it's not in the trust, Arif. you don't get it. Much less likely to have anybody contested. It can happen, but much less likely. All right. So the living trust on the stuff. On the house, it is required. You have to have a living trust and then you fund it. That's the term that's used when the trust has a quit claim. Right? You, you should be doing it. When, do, when you meet with the lawyer, the lawyer should have you notarize certain things. One of those is a quit claim. Quitting it out of your personal name. Putting it into the trust name. And then file it with the county. And now... Your house is owned by the trust, avoids probate, saves you thousands and thousands, probably tens of thousands of dollars. All for, I don't know, living trust these days is probably two or 3,000 bucks at most, at most. Now, if you say, Arif, I have three properties in Nevada, two properties in Arizona. I have a condo here. I'm a business partner there. Okay, now the attorney's gonna have to charge more money because they have to do research and file stuff in different states and on and on. So, but for for basically most people that have husband, wife, two kids, a dog, and a house, well, easy. A couple thousand, two, three thousand dollars, and your trust is, is done, and it will save you tens of thousands of dollars. Okay, I like that. The next is there's going to be a beneficiary list, Spencer, and I spoke to you guys about this. Anything that has a beneficiary, retirement accounts, annuities, IRAs, life insurance. If the beneficiaries for the trust are the kids, Spencer and his sister, then I want the beneficiaries to circumvent the trust and go directly to the kids, right? Because you have a lot more flexibility with a retirement account if it's owned by the person that inherits it. In other words, if I make the trust the beneficiary and then it's going to go to my son anyway, I might as well just make my son the beneficiary. There's other reasons to do one way or the other, but just to keep it simple for my explanations here, consider that as a a very serious change to what some people would recommend. Some people say, well, you make the beneficiary of everything, the trust, not necessarily. If there's a beneficiary, attached to it and I can put that I want it to be people instead of the trust in most cases the other part of it is this we are now part of the state now I don't know maybe 5 or 8 or 10 years ago it changed other states used to have something called a TOD transfer on death provision okay or POD payable on death both of those provisions existed in non retirement bank accounts, savings, checking, credit union, CDs even, okay? Non-retirement accounts. It has a beneficiary component. That's what it is. It is a beneficiary. Transfer on death instead of me as a person, it would go to my kids. Very important you do that on the non-qualified, i.e. non-retirement accounts. You can have that done. It's very simple. You walk in, guess how much the bank charges? Nothing. The credit union, zero. Your your mortgage broker, sorry, your, your um, investment broker, Wall Street guy or gal, zero. Charge nothing. Make sure it's my beneficiaries there. Make sure it has a TOD on those accounts. We do that all the time. We do that all the time. Unless you have a specific reason why you want it to stay in the trust. And I'm going to give that example to you here. There is a reason to keep everything in the trust and to not have a beneficiary or a TOD. And here's what it is. If you have this person getting a percentage and that charity getting a percentage and the Catholic church getting a percentage and then a percentage going to the grandchildren and percentage percentage. If you are percentage driven in your beneficiaries, in your trust, then you might want everything to be flowing into the living trust kind of piles into a big bucket and then your percentages are assessed as everybody gets their piece of the pie. Now, you might say, I'm going to keep this super simple. I have my children. My children's job is to take care of their children. So I'm just going to leave everything to them. And then from there, they can decide how much if they're going to give anything to their kids or grandkids, my grandkids. You can do that. All I want to caution you to do is this, if your children, one, two, or 10 of them are married, be very careful of their spouse. I don't mean that they're bad people. I mean this, you will know if his wife or her husband are good with money or if they're greedy or if they're selfish and may not give anything to the grandkids. They might take your money and bully your child, your daughter, and her husband might bully her the moment you pass away and spend it on his own stuff. And if part of your intention was to leave it to the grandkids, you might want to do that ahead of time. Because I cannot tell you how many times we see this. I see this a lot. Where they inherit the money, the daughter thinks it's supposed to be hers, which it is and then he ends up spending it on a new motorcycle or this or or i wanted to buy that or i'm going to invest in my cousin's uh you know cabinet shop i mean i've heard everything under the sun you're like but wait a second that was my mom's money it was supposed to make our lives better it was going for the grandchildren someday and on and on so if that's the case guys make the make the grandchildren direct beneficiaries right have any questions about this and others Uh, real quick don't forget to check with your attorney. I got to tell you that. Your estate planning attorney will be able to dot the I's and cross the T's. But you have any questions for me, guys? of Halaby, the Total Financial Hour. TFS Financial Insurance Services, 888 retire That's us. Thanks for being a part of the show. You have a great day.
1: i come Thanks to Arab Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial power. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour.